Welcome to Get the Facts Jack, a weekly podcast from Jack County, Texas, where we share factual information to the citizens of Jack County and to the Jacksboro Independent School District. Go Tigers! I'm your host, Judge Brian Keith Humphreys, and running the soundboard today is to my right, Mr. Frank Hefner. And Frank is our Jack County Emergency Coordinator and our IT Director. How's it going, Frank? Well, pretty good, pretty good. I, I, I hit the record button a little bit fast. This is the only one we'll have to edit. Oh, so it's So early. you were still talking whenever I started up, so we might just leave it that way. Yeah, I think that'll be perfect. But we've got a special guest today, Mr. Mason Cox, and he is here to interview, uh, to be the interviewer today versus where, Frank, we usually put people on the spot he gets to put us on the spot. That'll be fun. For his English class. How about that? That'll be fun. Heck yeah. So is Mason, are you ready for this? Yes, sir. What what grade are you in in Jacksboro ISD? I am a sophomore in high school. Oh my goodness gracious. So you're halfway I mean, this is the end of your sophomore year, spring semester, right? Yes, sir. So you got two more years in high school? Yep. What how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> time flies yeah, you kind of look up and it's like wow mason like, that's cool blink. so is is um now this is for a high grade i'm sure so is english your favorite class some days <laughs> some days yeah so how did you get this project how did this come about is this a entire class project so miss coley which is my english teacher she she was trying to find us assignments, so she took an assignment from uh, one, another teacher who did this last year, and she gave it to us because she thought we'd have fun with it. Yeah, uh-huh. and Te- it is fun. Teachers sharing ideas. That's what it is. That's you know, and, and you know, you're really a pro at this because the last, at least last year or the last couple of years, whenever we do 94.7 KWKQ, I always try to get you to come over to the table and do an interview whenever we cover the youth fair each January. So, hey, you've got this. You're a you're an expert on this. All right, so you ready to start the interviews? Yes, sir. All right, go ahead and let it rip. Now, you know if I don't have a good answer, I'm going to defer it to Frank. <laughs> and we'll make something up. Okay. <laughs> That's what we do in radio. Okay. Well, my first question for you all is, what was your initial reaction? Your initial reaction, hearing that a tornado hit town. Ooh, great question. Well, March twenty first of this year, we had an EF three tornado that hit Jacksboro, and I'll be honest with you, um, I probably didn't take it very seriously at first because, in our position, I've been a first responder, a volunteer fireman, and I was a former highway patrolman. I've always been to the guy that runs into the storm to put eyes on things, to prepare, and to to make sure our community knows what the threat level is. So I've never been afraid of storms. And then I started hearing the radio traffic from T. Bob Hager from Bryson, and I knew Frank had already gone towards Bryson, and I was listening to their radio, and I knew that it was getting serious. And I watched the storm as it came in the south part of our city, and literally, Mason, I watched the storm pass in front of the courthouse because my job at that point was to get everybody in the courthouse to a safe place. We got them in the basement. I was clearing the third floor one more time as I was coming down, and all of a sudden as I went on the western side of the building, of the courthouse building, I saw a family come up with all their windows knocked out in their vehicle, 
rain was just like a solid sheet of rain. The flagpole, I thought the flagpole was going to break. It was, it was, it was wiggling, waving in the wind so hard. And when this family came out in this pouring downpour, a mother had two small baby infants just basically just trying to get them into safety. And we opened the doors and comforted them, and then the father just emotionally just lost it because his family was safe, but he had to leave his brother at his house. So um, that was my initial my initial response was is I didn't take it serious, and as soon as it came through, it got serious real quick. Frank? Mine was, well, a little bit different because we were eyeballs to eyeballs looking at this thing and watching it as it was rolling in. Now, we didn't see officially see a tornado on the ground. We knew we had something going on that was totally different from what we've ever seen before. and uh, But it wasn't until after we I came back in from Bryson that um, when we started seeing the debris and we heard traffic from other people saying, this just took my roof off, we're seeing evidence of something going on, uh, well, then, like I said, I knew we had something significant happening, but it wasn't until we saw the devastation afterwards and after everything had cleared out that we, of the magnitude of yeah. what we were facing. I went after, the rest of the story was, is I made that, that young man stay here with his family, and I left the courthouse, the safety of the courthouse, and went to to go find his, his brother that he left. And uh, I drove right to him, right in the middle of the debris, and we started searching houses because the homes were totally destroyed and animals were loose. I bet they probably had 10 pit bulls that were just pit bulldogs that were just running loose with puppies and stuff. And, and I had never thought about all the animals that were, these animals were totally confused. Their houses were gone. They were within the rubble because that's where they were comfortable because they had their puppies and these type of stuff. We secured all the animals. We started looking at other homes in the area, making sure nobody was trapped. And then I think that's whenever it dawned on me, okay, I got to take a step back and we got to get command set up and we need to start orchestrating because it was a major blow to our community. Next question. My next question is, how have you seen the community come together after our tornado? Yeah, it's, it's really been amazing to see our our community was pretty divided. We had gone through a very um, controversial election, and it was polarizing. It, it really split our community. It was sad. It, we, it just happened sometimes, and, and people had two differences of opinion. We had two differences of opinion on vaccines. Some people were for it. Some people were against it. And then this election kind of came right behind the vaccine issue, and people were just at odds. They were tired. They were at odds. And they, it was almost like they just wanted the division. And this was the one thing that brought our community totally together. I truly think that it was a God thing because something like this was what was, that's the only thing that was going to bring our community back together. And our community has bonded and healed and recovered months ahead of any other community. Right? Yeah. Um, this was probably one of the things that you could set back and and literally say that um, when you, when you when you can't get along in one area, the time of need brings people together, and uh, that was this was one one thing that brought this community, this county, um, people from 
around us, you know, opening arms and helping each other. And I've never seen anything like it ever. And uh, pretty amazing. Just pretty, pretty impressed. And not only did it bring the county and the city closer together, we were already close because of the vaccine. It brought the school together because the school was destroyed. You know, we know that the elementary school and the high school was destroyed. And we had to come together as a community and our hospital. And so whenever you can get leadership to all come together and work as one unit on the best interest of the community, the community wins. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah. And it wasn't at that point, it wasn't a matter of, of um, who was ahead, who wasn't ahead. It was a matter of working as one. And that's what the impressiveness was, was it didn't, you just worked as one unit together going forward, and that's what made it perfect. Gosh, you've got some really good questions, young man. <laughs> All right, what's the next one? What types of services have been there for the survivors? Like, what have you all heard about for help? Well, that's a great question. One of the first things that we did was is we activated under my – so we have what's called emergency management, okay, and that's what Frank does. Frank – wears two hats. He's an emergency management coordinator, and he's our IT director. Well, in a time of, a, of an emergency, you activate the emergency management system within the state of Texas, and that all f- flows through my office. So I'm the head of the EMC in Jack County, and my, my direct contact is governor's office. And so whenever our local community needs state resources because we've been overwhelmed by a disaster, I pick up the phone, I call the governor. And so Frank works with local entities of bringing people together, our first responders, our churches, our schools, our hospitals all together. His day-to-day project or his, his day-to-day function is to make sure we all coordinate and we work together. So one of the first things, your mom is part of that system too, she is part um, Texas A&M AgriLife falls under Tetums, and it's it's overseen through Texas A&M University system. So I know all this sounds crazy, but there's a there's a there's a process of it. And so one of the first things I did was as I mobilized your mom and the AgriLife Extension agents Charlie Martin to handle our um, recover our resource center. And so I knew we were going to start getting donations in. And I knew as soon as we, that was my first thoughts, is people are coming, they're bringing stuff, they know we need help, but where are we going to put all this stuff? So we utilized and we we had a plan in place, and it was to utilize the fair barn. Well, Charlie and your mom were assigned to figure that out, to bring the stuff in, and then also, very quickly, Mason, we realized that we had to figure out how to distribute it and, and let it go out. So... That was what AgriLife did. So that was one of the first resources. The scary thing about it was is you lost your home too. So whenever there's a system in play that normally we would utilize two extension agents to do that, then one extension agent lost their home and you lost your house. So the great thing about being part of a big organization is is extension agents from other communities, from counties around us, from Wise County. My daughter, Carly West, is an extension agent, sorry, Carly Strickland. She got married last year. Um, she uh, She's an extension agent in Decatur. So one of the things that happens is, is whenever you're under stressful situation and the pressure's on, you call people you trust. 
And I'm going to tell you, I trust your mom and I trust Charlie Martin because we work with them on a regular basis. And I trust my daughter, uh, Carly Strickland, to come over. And then we started going up the chain and I started calling their bosses and let them know what we had done. But that was one of the first immediate resource that we did was we had donations that were coming in from outside of our community that we knew we needed to get to our people that were in need. Make sense? Yeah, and on another level of that is um, you take your initial response. We had people from uh, surrounding counties from that, ever, that touched our county. Every county that borders ours uh, had to send in some, some help. Um, then you had as far west as um, Throckmorton bring, pe- bring people in, Wichita Falls. Uh, we had people from uh, as far south as Waco that had brought stuff you know, help and resource to us. Um, and it was just, it was just amazing. The Red Cross steps in, you know, uh, on a national level and helps out and starts working on trying to find assistance for people if need be. Um, there's just so many different groups. We had Texas Baptist men that stepped in. You've got the United Methodist Church uh, group that stepped in. You have Minute Southern men. Baptist, yeah, yeah Minute Men from, from uh, uh, McKinney yep. stepped in. I mean, there's just so many different people that just came and said, hey, we're here to help you. What do you need? So kind of interesting. Church of Christ, you're That's exact. Right. They came in, and they brought – the one thing the Church of Christ did is they set up a, a resource center that had package-ready um, items. So, like, they had a box with all the disaster items that were put in there, and people just had to come by, drive through, and grab a box and go because – there were people in our community that lost everything. They didn't have just the very basic things, and I, you you're, you just don't know how to react. And the very basic things, even if it's just food, Gatorade, water, clean underwear, you know, a tarp to, to, to cover the hole in your house, those were the type of items that we started requesting from Lowe's, Home Depot. Mm-hmm. All those resources on a national level started calling me calling Frank, calling the resource center, and we started coordinating. Totes, these little plastic totes that you get at Dollar General or Family Dollar Store to put your items in, your valuables. I mean, you know, your house is destroyed, but you had some keepsakes in there that, by gosh, you were going to get them out of there. They weren't going to stay. And because, you know, there's that fear of looting, um, there are people in our world, in our community, in our society that will actually go and take things from your property, and and that's not right. And so another thing that we had to do was establish kind of a safe zone, and we had a curfew in place through the county for three or four nights to make sure once it got dark that nobody was in those areas that really hit the were hit hard to make sure your property was safe. But also we had power lines that were down and we had a lot of hazards in that area. It just wasn't safe to let people go in there. So we had a tremendous amount of resources available for our community. And then uh, another question I had is, are there any plans to help the uninsured, the underinsured, and the people who just don't have what they need? I love this kid. (laughs) He is making this easy. Somebody put some a <laughs> lot of thought into this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So here's one of the first things we did. We established what was a disaster relief fund, and we got that out there immediately because 
you know, a lot of people wanted to donate items, but then there's also a need for just money. Because like you said, what we found out was our first, our first assessment was about 50% of the people didn't have insurance. What we found out was, is it was more like 60% of the people did not have homeowners insurance. And then we found out that as high as 80% were underinsured because the value of the property had gone up. So what that means is, is even if they had homeowners insurance, 80% of the people weren't going to be able to be made whole whenever this was all over with and the insurance companies came back in and started writing checks. So what our job is to identify the gap, okay, to fill the needs of our community. There's no way we have enough money in our community just to build everybody brand new houses. We wish we could, but it just doesn't exist. But our job with emergency management as a county judge is we identify where's that need? What's what's the gap that you you need to be made whole? And so the next phase we're going into, we're a month, month and a half from the tornado now. We're going to establish the long-term recovery team. And those are, matter of fact, the letters, I signed the letters today and the letters are going out. And that's going to be, we've invited, we've selected um, a list of about 25 individuals that will be asked to come together on May 10th, and uh, they will be part of a special team that will that will have a vision and will have the passion to take our community forward in the next two to four years, okay? And through that, we're going to be trained by the United Methodist Church or the United Methodist Committee on Recovery, it's called UMCOR, which does this as part of their global initiative all around the world. They come in and they provide disaster relief and instruction, training, software, education to a community, and they also bring to the table resources, money. And so they will play one piece of a bigger puzzle of helping us bring in outside money, finances, to help rebuild and meet those needs or that gap. And so we start that, what, two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. Yes, sir. Big plans. That's a great question. Uh, my last question is, what surprised you all the most about it hitting and all that and the community coming together? I'll let you start with this, Frank. I guess the surprise was is just how fast it it developed um the you know the biggest surprise is is if you think of the the timing that took place um you know it, it uh, the storm probably showed up hour hour and a half ahead of schedule what they what you would consider the national weather service considering the timing of when the storms would develop um and then how fast it it did develop and how fast it moved toward us uh, it, it within a matter of 10, 15 minutes, we had, it went from a watch to a warning to a tornado warning. And, and then it was pushing to us. And we, it was just a matter of, of how fast that moved and, and, you know, without any, without any type of warning given to us, but it, but in the process of that, um, I don't know if there was really outside of those surprises. Um, it's been really impressive 
watching our community move as quick as they did in getting to recovery, getting to clean up, getting to wanting to get rebuilt and not letting it get them down. Because people a lot of times can just sit back and say, I'm done. You know, I'm not going to do anything. I just, I don't know what to do. But that's not what I saw our community do. Our community, you know, bonded together uh, within a matter of right after the storm was pushed through and it really wasn't even out of our county. We had people already with backhoes and, and skid steers and, whole lot of different things getting in there and cleaning things out of the way so that people could get in and start cleaning their house. And then months and months and and not months, but just day after day after day, um, the number of people that was just bringing debris and picking it up and cleaning up and, you know, whatever they could salvage was just getting put in boxes and stored away. And then the, the cleanup efforts that have taken place, I drove into one neighborhood, you know, they got totally devastated. Every house in that neighborhood was just devastated. And I drove through there today at lunch, just observing what was what was taking place. And you look at it, and outside of seeing the the property damaged, you would have never thought that there was something that that blew through there, unless you saw it from the from the beginning. You would just think it's just empty lots, but not that way. It's it's uh, you know there was a house that was there at one point, and but it's cleaned up and totally ready to start rebuilding again. And that's just, that's the surprise to me, is just seeing how fast people have moved and wanting to get back together. And uh, that's that's been a surprise to me. I love seeing, I, I have a little bit different viewpoint on things, and so I see an opportunity. I look for an opportunity in everything, even though this is probably one of the most catastrophic things that's ever happened to our city and our county. Um I see opportunities because in these type of situations, heroes rise up, okay? One of them is the Spanish club. Spanish club um, comes out to the fair barn, and next thing you know, they say, what can we do? What can we do? We want to do something. They organize, and they're making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And we started, we started, even though we needed the help, we started serving those people that came to help us with alignment. And then you look at what your mom did, what Charlie did, uh, John Berry, Melanie Berry, the ladies, the the men and ladies that have volunteered their time at our resource center is, is absolutely amazing. If you look at Sam Fagan, you know, Sam's worked here with uh, Public Works in the city of Jacksboro, and he's out here at the Debris Center, uh, you know, and he is coordinating. It's like a well-oiled old machine him working this debris and getting rid of the vegetation and 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 uh, keeping his staff going and they're shredding mulch and they're moving with you know bulldozers and backhoes all these branches and trees and doing all that. I mean Robert Fry down here at the um, at Fort Richardson State Park. Him and his crew came in and man they started working and they just got chainsaws and him and Raylan they started just just getting after it. So um, you know. Also out at our fair barn, um, you know, it's kind of cool because uh, we had somebody that was here as a college student, and uh, you know, J.C. Kate was is our interim, our intern for AgriLife Extension Service, and so she's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go do an in, you know internship for Jack County. Uh, her mom and dad just built a brand new house just south of town, and it was just an easy fit. You know, she's thinking about college. 
Well, guess what? She had an opportunity, and she stepped up, and she made something. I mean, this if this doesn't just blow her resume out of the water and blow her college career, and if she wants to continue to work in agri-life, she could, because of the way that she worked out at the, um, the resource center, I promise you, the other extension agents and the other supervisors, the directors and bosses of AgriLife Extension will be asking our group how to run a resource center. And so what a great opportunity that even in a very, very difficult, stressful time, we had some heroes that, um, that and I'm, there's hundreds of these stories, you know. Um, I mean, I know that I'm leaving people out, but these are just a few people that come to mind that they truly stepped up and they are dispatchers. Holy mm-hmm. cow. We recognized our dispatchers uh, at a commissioner's court meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago. They took 260, 266 calls. Can you imagine? Now, that's just on the administrative line. That's not the 911 calls. That's their, their whole world, and they are sitting in a room, and their community had been struck by a disaster and and to be able to keep it together and hearing the distress in the people's voice that have lost everything and they call 911 and is is just almost more than emotionally anybody can bear and these ladies did their job they trained for it every day and our 911 dispatcher staff um, matter of fact all of them came in as soon as they knew that this storm had hit disaster. And once their homes were safe or their families were safe, they made their way and they started serving their community through that dispatching center. Answering calls, calming people down, just being a voice on the other line for them. So let me ask you a question, Mason. You had a lot of emotions that went through whenever you saw your house. Not only did you lose your house, but you also lost your school. Um, y'all were displaced for a little bit, not real long on the high school, but you've seen the videos. I know you have because you're young and you're techie and they're on they're on the internet. What did how did you feel when you saw your school destroyed, but more especially when your home was destroyed? Well, I was on a different pole than most other students because I was lucky and also unlucky that I wasn't actually in town. I was on a trip for theater, so. We didn't really know what was going on. We thought, because we kept hearing it was a code purple in Tarleton, so we thought it was going to come towards Stephenville. And then one of us keeps checking the news app that one of us had, and it kept getting closer and closer to Jacksboro. And one of the students kept calling their parents. They wouldn't answer. They wouldn't answer to anything. And then I think it was a couple minutes after that, their parents finally answered and said that, their entire roof was gone. And that kind of scared me a lot because they live probably three or four blocks away from me. And that really just hit me. And then we were with our uh, vice principal because he was our bus driver that day. And he was, we all forgot about the school. And then he got... I think he got a text from our principal that said something about the gym got hit and maybe some more. And then 
students started posting videos of what they were kept seeing, and they already somehow got the school camera footage, and there's a video of the principal of elementary running down the hall and the ceilings falling right behind him. Yeah. That's 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 super emotional for me. That's Michael Qualls. He's a great friend of mine, and he was he was kind of doing the same thing I was doing in the courthouse, making one last check as he was checking and making sure everybody was safe. He barely made it out the hallway before that that ceiling collapsed right behind him, and uh, it's pretty terrifying. I think I'm I'm not afraid of storms. Afterwards, I'm thinking through this. I just probably have a greater respect for them, and um, I'll probably take them a little more seriously. I, I mean, hindsight. What do you think, Frank? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, especially after a situation like this, I know that's one area that we're um, – I've made sure that I've increased my, my awareness on is watching what's coming at us and making sure people are – yeah, people don't realize it, but, you know, yeah, we watch Channel 5 and Channel 3 or whatever it is, Wichita Falls and 6 and all that bunch. But one of the things that Frank does, as soon as he's made aware that there's a potential weather threat, he's up and he's monitoring the radars. That's He's kind of like got this like supercomputer set up, this super cool place, a lair. It's pretty cool because we're up here on the fourth floor of the courthouse, mm-hmm. and he's kind of got it here too, but he's got it at his house. And his job is to monitor that and to make people aware, not only our community, but our first responders and our dispatches uh, and prior to and give them a heads up as it's coming this direction. But Frank, Frank's our local person that is always watching out for the community's best interest for any type of disaster. But the most important thing is, is we have to learn from this. I told you about opportunities. We always can do better. And there's a learning opportunity, and, and we have learned from this. We had an opportunity last week, never probably been done before in Jack County. Uh, we brought together all entities, the leadership that was involved in this disaster, and we stepped away to a place over here on the east part. You know, it's got the big old flag on 380 called the Patriot Patriot, Patriot Ranch. Patriot, Patriot Ranch. And uh, we stayed there for about three or four hours. We had a meal together. We fellowshiped. And then we started breaking down the chain of events from the first time it entered in the south part of the county, our reports. The National Weather Service had two people there that gave us some data, some input. Um, we kind of did a, um, a dry run or a test in how we did. We brought in other emergency management coordinators from the state of Texas and from Wichita Falls and our surrounding areas to come and to listen, but then also to give us a grade. Because we're tested, that's that was a that was a final exam, so to speak, and we kind of wanted to know how we did because we personally were kind of beating each other up because we felt like we could have done better, and it was healthy for us to be able to spend about four hours together talking about things that we did, things that we could have done better, things we will make some adjustments that make sure that our community is safer in the future the next time something like this happens. Um, I hope it never does, but we know sooner or later, whether it's an ice storm, whether it's a wildfire, whether it's a tornado or whatever natural disaster could happen, an explosion at a gas plant, our job and, and Frank's job is to be prepared for any type of emergency 
disaster that could possibly happen and to make sure we plan, we train. And, and to me, that was a huge takeaway because we are better. We, our community is better because our leadership came together and we, we talked about the situation and we learned from it and we will, we will move forward as a community. What do you think? Is that all you got? Unless y'all got any more questions for me. <laughs> so do you feel like, um, does it still seem like a dream or does it feel like reality? It's slowly starting to feel more like reality because it happens so fast. Because once it hit, I was fully out of my house within three days. Yeah. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? How does it feel like to be in a new place? To be kind of shoved into a new place is really kind of weird, but I'm just happy that no one, people got hurt, but nobody got severely injured. Yeah. Do you know we actually had more injuries in the cleanup than we did in the disaster? Some, one of my teachers told me that, and it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. And that's a true statement. You know, I saw two things. One, the hand of God protecting our community. Um, that was when the tornado happened. And the second day, I saw how God can bring a community together for healing. And those are the two takeaways that I saw that's just, I just stand in amazement to see how our community has really responded in such a positive way. <laughs> Welcome to radio. I guess since that's all the questions I have, and if y'all have any more, do y'all? I think that's I think pretty so. good. I don't know. You did so good. You did an excellent job on your interviewing, by the way. And I tell you what, you put a lot of thought into your questions. Um, I give you credit because I didn't really know exactly what path you were going to. I, You know what, Mason, I thought you were going to ask me, what's it feel like to be a county judge? What is? Do you ever put somebody in jail? Do you ever have to... You know, but you know, get them out of jail, that kind of stuff. But that was going to be my initial questions, and then I thought we could also go the tornado route, and that's very appropriate. Very you did an excellent job, and by the way, I think you should probably get extra credit because I mean, this is a legitimate podcast. If you're listening, we encourage you to surprise, sub, subscribe, surprise, subscribe to download to tell your friends to share. Uh, we are on. Apple Pods, Podcast, Google Pods, Podbean, Spotify, Spotify, Prime. We're on, we're on, we're on Prime, Amazon Prime yeah. as well. So about any place that you can get music or get in podcast, we are there. So it's called Get the Facts Jacks, and we tried to do about a uh, every week, every two weeks, uh, kind of bring uh, better information to our community. So make sure you subscribe. Tell a friend. Great job.